everyone. Welcome back to But Why Though the Podcast, a podcast where every week myself, Adrian, and Matt talk about the things in pop culture that people say matter and ask the question, But Why Though? Before we get started, make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you listen. It helps everybody find us. And if you want to support us a little bit more, make sure you head on over to our Patreon, patreon.com slash PC. And as always, enjoy the show. Welcome back to But Why Though the Podcast, and today we are talking about John Williams. As always, I'm your host, Kate, and we are with Adrian. Kate, hey, how's it going? And Matt. Hello. And I am sick today, so my voice is a little gravelly and like a smoker, but we want to say a special thanks to Charles, one of our patrons, who requested this episode with his patronage. Thank you so much, Charles. I know Adrian was looking forward to doing a John Williams episode. Yeah, we've actually uh, gone back and forth on which one we should do first, Hans Zimmer or John Williams. So I'm glad Charles picked it, and we got to do John Williams first. <laughs> I still voted for Hans Zimmer, but we're <laughs> glad we do John Williams. Thank you, Charles, for all the support. Thanks, yes, Charles. Thank you so much, Charles. Um, yeah, so I figured the best way for us to start this is just to ask, what is your favorite John Williams score? It can be a soundtrack or a single song. Um, I can start first. I think single song. I think, yeah, single song. I think Dual Fates is my favorite, um, just because it's like on like my workout playlist. It's just so good. It's like the best part of that first movie, and the rest of it can be terrible. But that song will like stand the test of time when it comes to Star Wars scores. Yeah, this is easy. The Jurassic Park theme, and there's no other one. I hate you too, because like yeah, those are top two, right? Is. Like, oh, like my head is like I want to pick one or the other, but I just watched three different, um, three different YouTube videos where he was uh, conducting the Jurassic Park theme song. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm actually gonna say Jurassic Park just because of the Doors, but Duel of the Fates is like I I, I can't like they're right there. Yeah, because there's that entire operatic section in Duel of the Fates that he puts into it with the orchestra, and it's superb. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, so this is going to be a shorter episode um, only because uh, so John Williams is a super private person. But on top of that, a lot we're going to be doing is we're going to be talking about the things that he's made and how he's changed pretty much the face of film scores and music in general. Um, so let's start off with our brief, brief history. Um, John Towner Williams or John Williams, was born in the Flushing section of Queens, New York on February 8th, 1932. What I have learned is be born in New York if you want to do anything to greatly affect culture, apparently. Yeah, right? Like, all of the, almost all the people that we've covered in the last few weeks have all been from New York. Yep. It's crazy. <laughs> well, this is also like, they're also very old people who, like, True. New York, I mean, we're still talking, we don't even have, I mean, we have airplanes now, but I mean, travel, internet, all this like fast communication doesn't, thanks to being in like the largest city in the country, definitely helps. Yeah, especially like in the media, uh, you know, avenue for sure. Yeah. Um, so the cool thing, though, is that as much as New York is that type of hub, in 1948, he ended up moving with his family to Los Angeles, California, and he ended up attending the University of California at Los Angeles for a short time before he went to go serve in the U.S. Air Force in 1951. After three years of service, he returned to New York City, where he worked as a jazz pianist, and he also attended Juilliard. Um, and there he was studying with the famed teacher Rosina Levine, and he wanted to be a concert pianist. That was his goal. Um, I would say he far surpassed just being a concert pianist. 
Um, yeah, I agree because I don't even know who Raza, Raza, who, whoever you just said is, and then she's supposed to be super famous. But so I think I think he he chose the right path there. <laughs> so after returning to Los Angeles, Williams began a became a movie studio musician, and some of his first works uh, was when he was a pianist on the film Some Like It Hot in 1959 and to Kill a Mockingbird in 1962. I have seen both of those movies and like them a whole, whole bunch. Um, he ended up working with Henry uh, Mancini, and he also played piano on the theme for the television program Peter Gunn. After that, Williams was composing his own music for TV, um, and the shows that he touched were Wagon Train, Gilligan's Island, and Lost in Space. Um, and then after that, Williams has worked regularly as a conductor. In 1980, he became the, the conductor of the Boston Pops Orchestra, and it was a position that he held until 1993 when he retired. And he still serves at the Laureate conductor as a as the Laureate conductor at Pops, and has also conducted uh, conducted for the London Symphony and popular concerts at the Hollywood Bowl. Um, so he has a immense resume that I didn't put in the intro history because we're going to get all into this when we look at our but why those, which you're going to shift into now. So the first but why though is dedication to the craft. Um, and there, I couldn't really figure out how else to put this other than that just like John Williams does everything in like to perfection. Um, and as an example of that, when he was working on Close Encounters of the Third Time with Steven Spielberg, he composed over 300 examples of five-note communication motif. And this is what the scientists used to communicate with the visiting spaceship before Spielberg only chose one, which was then incorporated into the film's theme song. So he recorded 300 different versions of five notes to come to only one, which to me is insane because that's a lot of work um, into something that like as a moviegoer or just as somebody who is who doesn't know music in that way I'm like oh it's like five beeps that's it well one that's amazing two I still believe Close Encounters is way better than E.T. oh yeah uh, John Williams agrees with you by the way fun fact Close Encounters was his favorite film to score and his favorite Spielberg film to watch other fun fact E.T. is actually one of the highest like I believe it's critically rated films while the lowest audience rated films as really? far as gaps yes so, you know. so does he like own the other 299 with no <laughs> communication motifs I <laughs> I would assume. Like he just like has them just ready to like put into something. I wonder if like he uses those other because that's like so many. That's so many things, right? Like he has to put them somewhere and use them. I would want to use them. I just want them like chilling on wherever he keeps his five note communication motifs. Yeah. Um. So you want to know what makes this even crazier? Uh. He composes by hand. So everything that he composes, he does not use synthesizers or computers. At I don't least think they had of, that. Well, no, as of 2015, because he's he's still working. So as of 2015, um, in the article that was written about him, he did he refused to kind of adapt with the time. Um, you know, because he was a traditionalist, he would when he composed, he was with his piano, with pencils and paper. And that was it. And this is beyond like close encounters or anything like that. We're talking like the most recent stuff he's done. He composed that by hand. Well, I mean, I'm not going to like, I'm not surprised by that. He did it for 35, 40 years with by hand. I don't see why he would all of a sudden change. Well, yeah, no. You're supposed to have boxes is... and just boxes and boxes and like but, just like, shells. Th that's and the notes. thing. Like, it's just, it's so much paper. And he did 300 composed variations of five beeps. By one. hand, and then had to keep track of all of them. Yeah, that's insane. Like that's a lot of work. Like that is like doing stuff by hand is a lot harder than doing it on computers. Um, and so, uh, yeah, and so probably one of his biggest things, and 
I put this under dedication because this really transitioned, this really sets him apart from other composers at the time when he first started is that he chose to use actual orchestras um, instead of the readied Hollywood ones. And there's nothing wrong with like a standing orchestra for a studio. Um, but what he did was for the original New Hope soundtrack, he actually brought in the, uh, the I believe it was the Boston Pops. Oh, the London, he recorded it with the London Symphony Orchestra um, instead of the Hollywood Studio Orchestra. And that's kind of unheard, unheard of, really, or at the time it was, um, because all of his things, as much as they're film scores, they're not just background music. They're very much like a living piece of the film itself, and they are the action. And to do that, he needed to make sure that he had everybody at the ready and had a full orchestra. In, in many ways, he was... Uh, he was writing concertos, not just a film soundtrack. Um, and so one of the things that has set him apart is this sort of is the dedication that he's had to making sure that every piece of music that he puts out is telling the story by itself while also telling the story with the film. Which there are some videos that removed on Williams. Like if you watch Jaws without the Jaws theme, it it's weird. It it just doesn't land. It's actually very bad. I've actually done it, watched it. <laughs> like they have a lot of uh, YouTube videos where they just pull out his stuff and it just doesn't work. They did it for Duel of the Fates too. It looks it it loses all the intensity without Duel of the Fates. Yeah, it really does. Like you you can't really put anything else there and make that scene as good without that score even like the owen wilson wow isn't <laughs> just just doesn't isn't up to snuff I, yeah i mean obviously the dual fates one side like it's still like a fight and so you have something going on but the jaws one is to me the most notably one chop, because because the jaws one just kind of it is like you're like is this supposed to be scary or like what is even going on it just was just everything that made the movie like one of the top movies of all time yeah, I mean, and in my opinion too, like watching the Jurassic Park opener with like without the theme, it 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 it's not as magical. Like there is just something about the Jurassic Park theme that kind of just puts you in that place, and it has like a wonder within within the theme itself that really builds into the movie. Um, which like I hear that song and I can picture it all in my head. <laughs> Yeah, and it's really not even, like, even the big ones are always going to be the big ones, right? So, like, things like, you know, his stuff in Indiana Jones and Jaws and Star Wars and Harry Potter. But even when I think about other stuff he's done, like Saving Private Ryan or, like, The Patriot or even, like, Memoirs of a Geisha, like, those are all scores that I distinctly remember. And the music isn't the biggest part of those movies, but without it, I think the movie is significantly less than... And that just shows like his dedication to doing big movies, but also doing you know those smaller movies that he's able to like land those, yeah. you know, even three hundred. That's just that number just blows my mind. Where where did he put all of that? Where did <laughs> and he that's put like all the that? only that's the only factoid I have for like production stuff. I wouldn't be surprised if there are like twenty different versions of the Imperial March. That's what I'm that saying. Like it's all the it. stuff he's done. Like all, I mean, Memoirs of a Geisha has beautiful music. So like where, like what was like the variations he did in that one? Yeah, and the next, but why though is actually his partnership with Steven Spielberg. So Sp Steven Spielberg has directed thirty-one movies. John Williams has scored twenty-eight of them. What are the three that he did not? Uh, he did not score The Color Purple, Bridge of Spies, or Ready Player One. Um, I feel like so he made color... good choices. Huh. Well, The Color Purple he didn't score uh, because uh, Quincy Jones is specialty. And then um, he was sick for Bridge of Spies. And then he didn't score Ready Player One because he was actually going to... He chose to score The Post, which was going through production at the same time. Um, which is also a Steven Spielberg movie. So he scored the post instead of doing Ready Player One. But those are the only three that he's done. And in the ones he couldn't do, he recommended people to take over. And then 
So, like, beyond all this work that he's done with Steven Spielberg, which actually makes me wonder, like, I love Steven Spielberg, and I think he's a great director, but I wonder how much of, like, the impact that his movies have is actually because of this partnership and because of the music that's in them. Well, yeah, I mean, we said it, right? Like, without that Jaws score, uh, what, what, do we, what do we have there? Yeah. But this kind of terribly animatronic, you know, <laughs> thing that broke a bunch. Like, that score is Jaws. Like, when you think of Jaws, you think of the score first, I think, anyway. Yeah. And you do that when you're in the pool, you know, <laughs> with, like, your younger siblings, like, trying to scare them under the water. Like, that's that's what's always in my head. I'm trying to think of all the uh, Spielberg films, because there are some bad ones and obviously a lot of good ones, too, but... <sighs> I think Jaws, I definitely, obviously, I think without John Williams, that movie definitely fails. Jurassic Park, I think, as much as the score puts over top, I think it's the movie... It's dinosaurs. It's dinosaurs, and, like, a lot of, like, we talked about when we did a Jurassic Park episodes of, like, a lot of the animations and, like, the animatronics and everything else that they did and the sound stuff they did outside of, like, the actual score. I think the movie still probably does pretty well. Um, E.T. doesn't do as well. No, I just don't so. like E.T. at all. I don't like the movie. I don't think Schindler's List does as well either. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. I'm trying to think of like all of Spielberg's movies. Because like, eh, there are definitely a few that like, yeah, without the... Um, Amistad. Raiders? Raiders of the Lost Ark probably doesn't do as well. I mean, that no, I don't Indiana think that one Jones, does. No. Indiana Jones theme song is yeah, I was like, really oh, big yeah, with the music. Oh, that's true. I don't think Indiana Jones does as well. I don't think Star Wars would have done as well. I don't think so either. In all honesty... Um, and just kind of like looking at like at this list, like I just think there are a lot where it just makes it like I mean I I, I guess technically Hook didn't do well, but like I loved Hook, <laughs> I loved Hook so much. Uh, but the music was a big part of that. Um, I mean, there's just a lot that you can commend him on and the cool thing is is when you look and we'll be looking at like the stuff that he scored before but like he there's films that are on opposite sides of genre yeah and he's able to pretty much do it all with that being said moving into the other another but why though which are his iconic scores um so he scored three of the longest franchises uh indiana jones Star Wars and Jurassic Park like these franchises are over 30 years old and he's had a hand in all of them um, and in fact he's kind of like built the heart of them if you want to say um, like we've like we've mentioned like these theme songs are very much um, a piece of the movie that we take with us when we leave the theater um, and have kind of like sat with popular culture his film scores are also how he became known as a pioneer really within the film industry because he was able to blend class like true classical music with movie soundtracks there wasn't anything gimmicky about it there wasn't anything that detracted from it like these were full-on concertos written for a movie and that was really really big and this eventually leads to um him him conduct conducting live um orchestras live symphonies of his soundtracks from movies and this actually this type of um um orchestra performing uh, a soundtrack live this starts with john williams and now it's done like with so many different mediums like the zelda one i know i think you went to the zelda one right adrian yeah with the video games live we've been to the game of thrones one and you're right none of that happens without john williams doing it yeah. first because it i think it was something like people were just requesting it because he was writing his own concertos and he was like well i can do this and he started performing them and um fun fact too or not fun fact but like one of the biggest things that this has done is when you go and you talk to young musicians and young, you know, young musicians specifically in classical music, like there aren't, there aren't a lot of touchstones for new classical music in our, in our culture. We don't talk about it that much. We don't know who taught violinists are or taught pianists are. We should, but we don't like that. It's not at the forefront. 
But what John Williams did was he took that style of music and made it popular. Um, so there was an article and they talked to uh, Travis Peterson, who is a, trump a trumpet player for the Utah Symphony, and he credited Jurassic Park as being his gateway into classical music. He was like, I picked up my instrument because of this. He's like, we did not have a CD, a cassette player, but I went into the store and I listened to the Jurassic Park theme nonstop. And there are a lot of other people out there who were able to get into something that like, when you think about classical music, like I love classical music, but you think of like something that's really elitist and really kind of gatekeepy in the way that it's like, oh, well, like rich, like super, super wealthy people have their like $300 violin that they play and it takes, you know, all that stuff and it, you feel detached from it. But what John Williams did was he made this something that is so ingrained in our lives that it actually opened the door for a lot of kids. Um, also, fun fact, the Superman theme song, you know how all Superman theme songs kind of sound the same? Well, the first one uh, was done by John Williams. So we have John Williams to also thank for that. Um, yeah, admittedly, I'm not a huge Superman fan, but I found that out like a couple months ago. And like yeah. a trivia and, and a trivia thing, I, I really had no idea. <laughs> yeah, if I if someone would ask, I probably would have said someone like Hans Zimmer or something like that. I didn't I didn't think that was him because it just didn't sound like. Not that he has like a specific sound, but I I was surprised by that. And then you're right, like all of the ones after that have that same rhythm, mm -hmm. and even like the Star Wars movies that he's not even a part of anymore all use elements of his tracks. Yeah, because they have to live in it. Like he's yeah. like. As much as, like, world building comes from the stories and the plots, I I also think a part of the world is the music. Yeah, so even on the ones he's not going to be in, like, he's always going to get credited on them for the, the use of, like, the original themes, right? So Yeah. So he didn't, he didn't do solo. I don't think he did Rogue or One Rogue, either. But I'm, all of the songs that are in there are based off his original themes. Yeah. And then I don't believe he's coming back for nine. I don't think so either, right? Yeah, because he's, he's, he's over 80 years old now. Yeah, he's super old. He's born in the 30s. I mean, you know, people... Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, so, into the numbers. So, is Star Wars is... even actually any good, or is it just the music at this point? Um, I think they go hand in hand, to be honest. Yeah. I, I mean, I know when I first watched Rogue One, I thought the score wasn't as good. Correct. Um... The Imperial March bugged me. Yeah, I think I think this came up on my Facebook like memories like today actually, and I was like reading through our conversation about it. Like, it's just not the same. But the Last Jedi and Force Awakens have great music, but I think oh, that's yeah. because of John Williams. Yeah, I mean, and it's and I would say too, like now, like I've watched Rogue One like six or seven times since it's been on Netflix. And now it doesn't bother me, but it was it was definitely it was it was a feeling in the theater where I was like, oh oh no, this doesn't sound right. Like yeah, it and it sounded like off, it, and I didn't even know John Williams. Right. Yeah, I, I didn't even know John Williams was even on it, so I just knew something was off, and then to find out, like, oh well, that's yeah. that's why. Because like it's not so much because it's still a great scene with what they have in it, and I love that movie to death. Like it's one of my top movies. But I do very much think just like Indiana Jones or just like any of the movies that he's put his music into, that's a vital part of them. Yeah, it's like um, you said, it's, it's a heartbeat of, of the movie. It might, might be everything, but it's definitely a solid heartbeat exactly. to it. Like, I don't, I think, I think the new Jurassic World movies kind of suck because they have shitty soundtracks. Yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> the it's second one even... definitely had terrible soundtrack. First one was like, okay, but they also did a lot of like, uh. Well, that was Joe Williams. Yeah, it was like the first one they basically. Like, the second scary one, no. music because of dinosaurs. Like, second, it, it gets away yeah, from like the classical. Yeah, it sounded generic. Know. That's like, what I'm saying. The, the first one kind of had it. The second one, they tried to do it, but they incorporated it terribly. Yeah, because, like, and so I do think that's, like, a difference. Because, like, the second Jurassic World movie, it was generic music. Yes. I didn't, I, it didn't stand out. No. It didn't, it wasn't alive. And for me, I didn't, I, like, for Star Wars, I, even though it felt different, like, they were very, like, the music was still really, really 
like central to a lot of the story whereas it was just nothing in jurassic world and that was like oh no yeah because like for me like there's like he just i already said it but like there was just something in the way he composed the jurassic park soundtrack that made you feel like amazement and wonder and made it feel different um that you don't get that sort of like you're leaving one area into a new area in the Jurassic World movies. It is all kind of generic. Dinosaur is coming. Run away from the dinosaur. <laughs> and the T Rex roar. Yeah, basically, yeah. Um, no, I think Star Wars is still good without it because you have to have all pieces, I guess. Like, Okay, so I think this is what it is. Like, essentially, you can have a good movie, but if you have a good score or, like, a great score on top of your good movie, that mo- that good movie is going to get better. And if you have a great movie with, like, great actors, great story, and a great score, we're going to remember that. And we're going to remember that, like, years after it's done. Yeah, I, I think we, we even see that now when, like, movies say, not any that John Williams has done, obviously, but, like... Into the Spider-Verse, no spoilers, obviously, but, like, the movie is good, but, man, I walked out of that movie remembering the score. Same thing yeah. with Black Panther. Black Panther's good, but I walked out remembering the score. Things like that. Like, the score is important. It's not the most important thing, but without it, you know, you get a little bit of a lackluster. You go yeah, lackluster to, like, really good to, you know, spectrums. Because it's one of those is, like, you have people who, and this is what, like, John, what John Williams is really known for, is, like, it wasn't something that he just laid on top of the movie. Like, he wrote, he composed it as the movie was going to fit it. Like, you can't just throw it in there. Um, like, I think, like, Black Panther and Thor Ragnarok have my favorite, like, soundtracks of any, like, Marvel stuff. Because it every piece of them are like you can't take that song and put it in another scene in another movie and have it be good because it's made for that i beg to differ you could totally put something from thor ragnarok in infinity war and actually make it 10 times better and that's still the most disappointing thing that i ever know of why we did not do thor's entrance due to like his ragnarok entrance do you want to explain i don't even have to everybody at home knows what i'm talking about Oh. <laughs> no, I agree with you. That that definitely could have gone there. I just meant like, but that's with Thor. I just mean like there there are very very specific sounds that work for those movies, and they feel like they go hand in hand. It's I'm also a disappointed world. in both of you because the main score that I think about in the last like year and a half would probably be Shape of Waters. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. But that's more of a classical music than it is, like, with the yeah. retro. Yeah, so and, yeah it's also yeah. I was trying to say something, like, different than, like, the classical music vibe. And I just, I think just by proxy people have seen or have or are going to see Into the, Spider, uh, Into the Spider-Verse and Black Panther more than Shape of Water. If you haven't yeah. seen Shape no. of Water, what are you doing? Stop listening to our podcast right now and go watch Shape of Water. Which apparently I found out that one of our writers has a Shape of Water t-shirt. And I'm yep. like, why don't I have a Shape Where, of Water t-shirt? I've never seen one of those. <laughs> I have. Matt. It's just her humping, humping fish man. It's not hard to find on the internet. Just type it in. You can find anything. Yeah, that's true. But yeah, no, I mean, I think that, I think if you look, I, I think that's also why Hans Zimmer is so important because Hans Zimmer, Hans Zimmer does a lot of, a lot of these things too. And that's why a lot of his music is really, really iconic um, as well. Um, but anyway, uh, so, 127 film compositions. That are how many, that's how many film compositions John Williams has that span from 1954 to today. 127. That's a crap done. And that's just film. That's not the stuff that he's done for TV. Because um, I couldn't find a complete list of that. Um, and then he's also written... 15 concerti, which is the plural of concerto, which I found out thanks to Google. Um, so yeah, like those are, those are 15 full, like orchestra things, concertis. It's really cool. Um, like this man did not stop writing music ever. 
Uh, yeah, and that's, that number is just going to go up even after he dies. Like that number is still going to go up because people are still going to use the original themes and whatever the case is oh, because he's been a part of three of the longest running franchises ever. Yeah, I mean, and honestly, like after he passes, oh, this is just what he has himself composed. This is not all of the credits that are like we used a piece of your music. Oh, this is wow. just his compositions. By the way, when he passes, we'll find those other 299 things you're yep. looking for, Adrian, because they'll That's probably yeah. be up for sale. Probably, yeah. Yep. Unless he, like, I don't know, burns them all. I, I feel like he, he's like, no, this is mine. Have you seen Relatives? They're going to sell them. Relatives are assholes. JR? Do you remember our J.R. Tolkien episode? <laughs> Relatives he's... are great at milking whatever they can. Oh, sadly. Family's overrated. <laughs> anyway... Um, so beyond this, Williams also conducted the national conducted, conducted, conduct, <laughs> John Williams also conducted the National Symphony Orchestra, the U.S. Army Herald Trumpets, and the Joint Armed Forces Chorus and the Choral Art Society of Washington while performing his new arrangement of the Star Spangled Banner for its 200th anniversary in 2014. Like, John Williams was so good that they told him, create a new arrangement of our national anthem for a 200th anniversary. Like, that's... This guy's pretty big. Just saying. He might matter. A little bit. Um, but... Uh, he also composed uh, the 1984, 1988, 1996, and 2002 concerti that were for the Olympics. So he also scored the Olympics. <laughs> yeah, that's um, that's quite the range. <laughs> like, and that's From like multiple the Olympics. Olympic side. To Jurassic Park. To 200th anniversary of the national anthem. Do for Olympics. Yeah, we're on the side just doing, you know, movies like The Patriot and Memoirs of a Geisha and just things that he's just relatively interested in. Um, he's also the most decorated composer. Um, and like in all honesty, one of the most decorated creators in Hollywood in general. Um, so he's been nominated for a whopping fifty one Academy Awards. Six Emmys, 25 Golden Globes, 67 Grammys, and 15 BAFTAs. He won three out of six of those Emmys. And his uh, one of his first major, major studio films, Valley of the Dolls, was his first nomination. Um, and he actually is the most nominated person alive. But he is the second most, he is the person with the second most nominations ever because Walt Disney had 59. That seems unfair. Yeah. Get this man more nominations than Walt Disney so we can take that throne, please. <laughs> um, and when it comes to scoring film, John Williams is like, honestly, when you look at what he's won, he's won five Oscars seven British Academy Film Awards, and 22 Grammys. The, the five Oscars were for Fiddler on the Roof, Jaws, Star Wars, I believe it was New Hope, E.T., and Schindler's List. And so I just compiled a kind of short list of just the stuff that like we would really know. Um, but this is a lot, so if one of you wants to recite this list... I feel like Matt um, would uh, be the best because he'd go through it quickly. I would stop and be like, man, I love that score. Okay, I can do this. Um, nominating would be for Towering Inferno, Jaws, Star Wars, Close Encounters of Third Kind, Superman, the Empire Strikes Back, Raiders of the Lost Ark, E.T., Return of Jedi, Indiana Jones, and Temple of Doom, Empire of the Sun, The Witches of Eastwick, Indiana Jones, and The Last Crusade, Home Alone, really? Um, Hook, <laughs> Shimmer's List, Sleepers, Umstead, Saving Pirate Ryan, The Patriot, AI, artificial intelligence, that movie is so terrible. Uh, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, catch me if you can. Um, Harry Potter and the Prisoner, uh, Memoirs of Geisha, Munich, or Munich. 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 The Adventures of Tintin, Warhorse, Lincoln, The Book Thief, and Star Wars The Force Awakens, and Star Wars I Will Not Name. 
And that's it. The Last Jedi. I like how he was like Harry Potter and the Prisoner. <laughs> Not even going to try to finish that one? <laughs> prisoner of Azkaban, you fool. Azkaban. Azkaban. Yeah, those are that's a wide range, man. I know we said yeah. it, but that's just such a wide this range of, all of them. movies. These are just the ones that I was like, we probably know this movie. Yeah. There are more that he was nominated for for Oscars. This is just some of them. And, like, if you look at it, like, he's scored, like, some of the most genre-defining films and some of the most drama-heavy films. Like, he's everywhere. Who's um, the closest? Like, who, who's next? After him? I don't know. You're talking about, like, like overall, or are you talking about like, as far as a composer? composer? I'm talking about as a composer. Um... Far as like for what just nominations in general? Yeah, it's like nominations, like decor, like decorated wise. Oh gosh, it basically Thomas Newman. Could oh. be this. What did he do? Hmm? What did he do? Uh, Bridge of Spies, <laughs> Saving uh. Mr. Banks, <laughs> Skyfall, Wally, The Good German, uh, Finding Nemo, Road to Perdition, American Beauty, Unsung Heroes, Little Women, Shawshank Redemption. Lemony so Snickers. So how many does he have? Because like he's not even on this top twenty-five list from the AFI's. 100%. This is just most Oscar-nominated composers. So I don't know if we wow. need to count everything. Well, this uh, wiki it shows he has fourteen nominations. I got twelve. John Williams has fifty-one. I have thirty-six for John Williams on Oscar nominations. I have twelve for Thomas Newman on this one. This is IMDb, and then okay, yeah. That no everything what I read what I read on biography.com in the Encyclopedia Britannica said fifty one nominations. So let's see, this is only this list is only from like twenty fifteen, by the way. Um, yeah, well this this why. list has Bridge of Spies and Passengers, which would probably give us the other two that Oh. So this might have so the other thing is too is he's also been nominated for Best Original Song. So, like, he had best score and best... Ooh, and original song. score. Yeah, you're and right. That, and original song, and that's what made up his 51. Okay, this is Oscar nominations. This... Dude, so many of these are just for original score. That's insane. Well, I think the one I had was literally just all original score only. Yeah, this was the only counting their nominations and score category. That was just it. So, counting score category, he's got 36, Thomas Newman, 12, uh, Jerry Goldsmith, 10... Hans Zimmer ten, Alex or Alexandra, or Alexander uh, Desplat. Uh, yeah, that's the person who did the Budapest, the Grand Budapest Hotel, Budapest. Yeah. Hotel. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's the so, Shape of Water person. That's I was trying to yeah. think of. Who, yeah. And then, but so I just looked this up. The article, this article is from January twenty eighteen, and it says John Williams just broke his own record again. The legendary composer, whose latest accomplishment is a score for Star Wars The Last Jedi, has more Oscar nominations than any other living person. He, a title he first earned in 2016 with his 50th nomination. And on Tuesday morning, the musical genius earned his 51st. So according to this one, most nominated, I got John Williams with 64, uh, John Barry with 30. Oh, this isn't even fucking order. What the dumbest shit is this? <laughs> Oh, this goes by and that wins. was from Vanity Fair. I quoted Vanity Fair. I don't want to say that I was taking their stuff. Um, oh, so this one basically goes by wins. So it had John Williams with 47 wins. For This is Academy Awards, it looks like. Wait, what is this? One? No, this is just wins overall. Yeah, so this one, John Williams has 64 nominations, 47 awards. Or 47 wins. John Barry, 31 nominations, 12 awards. James Horner, 37 nominations, 10 awards. Hans Zimmer, 38 nominations, 8 awards. Howard Shore, which, by the way, is also fantastic, especially considering he does, I think, a lot of the gaming stuff, too. Um, yeah. 25 nominations, 8 awards. Uh, poor Jerry Goldsmith, who actually has 43 nominations and only 6 awards. <laughs> He's like Martin Scorsese. That's what I'm saying. He actually has, like, I think one of the, like, the second most nominations, but he had more I don't, I don't know if it's still like that, but I remember for the longest time, like, Martin Scorsese was one of the most, he was the most nominated director to not win. And this list is obviously dated as well. But yeah. So anyway, he has a lot of shit, and the next person is not close to him. Yeah, it's like not even close. Like on any like, other categories, The next person would have to right? live another life. 
Yeah, like, basically. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think a lot of that, too, is just, like, he was really good friends with a fantastic director, and that fantastic director was a really good friends with a fantastic composer. And I think that's why he was able to, like, not that he wouldn't have done it without Steven Spielberg, but the fact that he was on 28 Spielberg movies probably helps that number a lot. Yeah, I mean, he's almost 30 years old, older than Hans Zimmer and Alexander Desplat, who yeah. seem to be the closest on that on that list. So he has, you know, thir- three almost three decades of composing and work in this realm, and he might have just got into like L.A. before. Everybody you know, was in L.A. Yeah, basically, he he got there at the right time, and then just happened to be just one of the most amazing composers ever. Yeah. So, I don't know. He's awesome. Um, I mean, like, I don't have too much after that except for the fact that. Um, the American Film Institute, AFI, um, they gave the Lifetime Achievement Award to him. Um, so in the 44 years that this award has been given out, it has never been given to a composer. But he got it. And it was presented to him by Steven Spielberg. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah, and he has three of his film scores are on AFI's Top 100 or top 25 for the last 100 years of film. Um, I think we went over this, I think, in our Jurassic Park episode, but he is the number one slot with Star Wars and the number six slot with Jaws and the number 14th spot spot with E.T. Yeah, I mean, three of his wins for Academy Awards right there. Yeah. So... Um, I mean, that's all I had, really. Um, it was a, re- it would know this is a really short episode. Um, but I mean, outside of music, man, like, I don't know what else to say. Like, he changed the face of what it means to make a film soundtrack. I think he really raised the bar for everything that we hear. Um, I mean, we were just comparing like people who've taken up franchises after he's left them. There's, it's just a hole you can't fill. Yeah, and it's like kind of hard to like put into a quantifiable terms of like how much his music affects people when they listen to it, right? Like I'll probably watch a lot of these movies. Like I'll listen to the soundtrack of these movies probably more in my lifetime than I will watch the movies yeah. because the soundtracks are so good. Not that I don't like the movies and, and it might, maybe it might go to Matt's point of like maybe these movies just aren't good as good without like the scores the more I think about it. Like, Tony, you, you need to watch the Jaws thing. The Jaws thing is really bad. I can't even imagine to be honest. It is really bad. <laughs> I can't even imagine. Uh, but it's just kind of hard to put into quantifiable words like how something makes you feel when it comes to music. Like I think the biggest quantifiable thing that we've talked about here is that like just nobody is close to him when it comes to being recognized about how good his original scores are. Like these original scores are just all over the place and he might not have won every year, but like he's just been consistently nominated since the sixties. Like that's just crazy. Well, which kind of leads to what you were saying though, though he also has 30 year head start. So the real question is, do you think any of these people are actually going to catch him? So in 30 years, we'll reconvene. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, 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 realistically, do you think anybody has a shot to come close? I really I mean, don't think so, man. I, I don't. I don't know. Because this I think, is about like this is almost a sixty-year career, which means that these people halfway through their careers would have to be at least halfway to his numbers, and they're not. But yeah, the, but, but think, there's two questions. There are two things uh, variables you're forgetting though. Once he leaves, your competition depletes. Well, I don't even think it's really that. I think the big thing here is that he's part of three of the longest-running franchises ever. Right. I don't I don't know if anyone else is going to have that unless something crazily culturally significant happens in the next 10 to 15 years, which I, the way Hollywood goes, I don't think we're going anywhere we're close to that. We're reboot after reboot. So. Yeah. yeah I, was, I guess I was just saying, like, for all the wins that he might win, you know, like, say he retires yeah. in, like, 5, 10 years, like, now you have a 20-year stretch where you're not competing against John Williams. So well, all so those possible I don't... runner-ups... You're not getting runner-up anymore. Yeah, so I'm not even just talking wins. I'm just talking nominations. Yeah, because he hasn't but, I mean, won even, but, since Schindler's List in 93. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's fine, too. But, I mean, even, like I said, nominations, what, there's only, what, three nominations per award these days? Or four? It's five. Oh, is it five? Mm-hmm. It's not five. Not for all yeah, of them. Yeah, it composers? is. Not for, no, not for all, like, not for all categories, but I'm pretty sure the scores and original songs have more than three. 
So 2017 original score had The Shape of Water, Dunkirk, The Phantom Thread, The Last Jedi, and three billboards. So one, two, three, four, five. Yeah, five. Yeah, now I know the smaller ones are the effects categories where they're like three. Yeah. Well, I guess yeah. you also go, did they always have five or there's only three beforehand? It's a good question. I don't know. Because I'll that could look. also play a part of like in the 60s and 70s, you only had to beat two people, now you got to beat four. <laughs> yeah. Um, and if, I mean, like, you're like, I hate to bring up the A-Sing again, but like, he was being nominated for Academy Awards while Hans Zimmer was 10. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Like, well, that's, why that's why I'm asking, like, obviously we know he's going to be setting all these things, but so, since the people have 30 years, do you think anybody could come relatively close in Hey, years? Matt. What? In 1937, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, there were 14 nominations. He was eight. I know, yeah, but I no, well, but I'm just saying, like, it, yeah. Well, I mean, that's no. fine. I, I was just wondering because I don't follow award shows. I think they're yeah, yeah, yeah. So well, I mean, yeah, no, when it he, fluctuates greatly. Yeah, when so, he like, won, you'll have it. It looks like four is the average. Okay. Yeah, but that's it what I'm goes. Saying. It hasn't been three since like the 30s. I was right. I mean, that's fine. <laughs> I don't. I told you, I don't care about award shows. But to your point, Matt, no, I don't think anyone catches him. In like our lifetime, like if I don't, I don't think so. He's just too far ahead. He's just so far ahead. Cause that's always the fun thing, seeing like how it catches and what happens. It's like Wilt Chamberlain's like a hundred point game. Like that's never gonna happen. Well, I think the better uh, relevance would be all the Jerry Rice's records. And yeah, quite honestly, because like yeah. you look at that and you're like, people are passing the ball so much these days, and yet he holds records that are like not even relatively close to anybody. Yeah, there's just a few things that, like, I'm just wondering. Yeah, no, I mean, I, yeah, I just don't think anybody's going to catch him. I mean, that's fine. I'll just ask. I also think a lot of it has to do with as much as it's, like, just, like, availability to work on these films. Like, just looking at, like, the amount that he produces in a year or he was producing in a year in his prime, like, he was working on four or five movies. Well, I mean, that's fine. Like, I mean, that's the same thing with athletics. This man's a workhorse. People used to be workhorses back in the day. Now you can do like two things and you're like dying. That's why they yeah, make you. He did get nominated for The Adventures of Tintin and War Horse in the same year. And <laughs> yeah, like he has mul- a few of these years where he was multiple. In 1995, he was nominated for Nixon, Sabrina, and Moonlight from Sabrina. <laughs> like he was like, he had three nominations. <laughs> so you have a 60% chance to win this? Yeah. yeah that dude's just he didn't win it. that year. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Um, so I guess just like final thoughts, I mean, I'll go first in saying that like, I really want whatever you're doing right now, um, I guess if you're not in the car and driving, but whatever you're doing, like go onto YouTube and watch him actually conducting your favorite theme that he's done. It is amazing to see because it's, it's different from hearing it and then like seeing it and making that connection that these are act this is like a hundred person orchestra that's probably exaggerating probably like a 50 person orchestra making this music that you listen to and you may not like think of all the moving pieces but there's so much that goes into it so i i really recommend watching some youtube videos of that because it's it's amazing and then just like watching him conduct there's just so much passion in what he's doing one, obviously, if you want to watch John Williams, go to YouTube. One, I don't like YouTube, so we'll not do that. But I think you should go further as far as I love classical music. I think you should just go to watch anybody conduct. Obviously, John Williams yeah. would probably perfect it. But just watching any type of orchestra or sympathy. sympathy yeah. I can't even talk now. Symphony. <laughs> yeah, symphony uh, be composed is a really uh, great thing to watch. And honestly, listening to classic mu- music is great. The One of the best, uh, at least scenes that I can remember as far as going to classical music would be, I believe it's uh, Keanu Reeves when he does, um, I would recommend, like, one of the scenes that I, like, enjoy is from, obviously the movie Terrible, but that's a reboot with Keanu Reeves, The Day the, the, Day the World Stood Still, in which Keanu Reeves and I guess uh, the person goes and they go to meet one of the smartest men in physics at his house. He's in alone in the cabin woods. And he just had he doing basically physics and listening to classical music, and basically the intelligence is like this music is like beautiful and it feels great and you know vibrant and everything. And he's like, yeah, it just makes me feel good to do all this stuff. And it's just 
it's a weird scene, but it, the whole point of the thing is like classical music does a lot for people and even the brain activity as they done in studies. And so I totally recommend listening to it in general. There's a reason smart people listen to classical music a lot. I did a lot of math and coding to it. Um, yeah, for me, I, I don't know. I, it's, I just want to go put, I just want to go listen to my, uh, my playlist of John Williams scores. I'm like John Williams greatest hits just because he's just so good. Um, I just think the scope of what he was able to do, regardless of like, because he's old or whatever the case may be, like you can be around for a long time, but your ability to do a wide range of music, I think is like the biggest thing that I don't know if he gets near enough credit for me. Obviously he's going to get credit for like the big jaws and star Wars and Indiana Jones, but it's those little ones, man, that like, I didn't know that he did that blew me away when we are when I'm looking through uh, Kate's notes, like this, just no one just comes close. He's, he's like the greatest composer movie composer, TV composer, currently living, and probably will ever be in terms, if you look at the nomination thing is concerned. And the fact that he he won that, the American Film Institute Award, and he's the only composer to do it in the 44-year history of the award, I think really shows that. And I agree with Matt, classical music is awesome. And I can't think of any other composer that does classical music in the way that John Williams does it in his range. Wait, we haven't had this in a while. All three of us agree. I know, so, so it's a classical. It's a fact. Yep, it's a fact that classical music is great. <laughs> anyway, fun fact uh, is that the Jaws theme is made with a tuba, and when he first played it with just the tuba sounds to Steven Spielberg, he thought it was a joke. And then John Williams was just like, "Nah, nah, nah, it's gotta be good." And then he put everything else in, and now it's one of the most iconic things ever. Yeah. So, yeah. I didn't know that. And now it just makes like that scene even funnier. It's a tuba. <laughs> Big Jaws. Thanks, John yeah. Williams, for getting a ton of sharks murdered. Oof. Anyway, Oof. as always, <laughs> if you want to join the conversation, follow us on all of our social media at BoWeatherPC, and make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes. It is the easiest way to help us out and support us. Yeah. And you can find me at OhMyMythRandier on Twitter. Adrian? Yep, you can find me on Twitter at SuperEast93, S-U-P-E-R-R-U-I-Z-93. Matt? I'm going to be floating off like that little artificial intelligence dude to John Williams. <laughs> and if you've ever seen that movie, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. That's so sad.